All right, everybody, welcome to Yeah, But Still. This week we have joining us Ken Klippenstein. You may know him as a journalist from The Nation. You may know him as a master of the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, you, you may know him very recently uh, for being in a weird Twitter fight with Elon Musk. But honestly, I think most people might know you from uh, your very buff Trump-replying brothers who are now banned from Twitter, Ed and Brian Klippenstein. May they rest in peace. Although we now have we now have a sort of sp- intercept spokesperson for them, which is uh, one of their wives. I can never keep which one is which straight. I used to call them the red one and the blue one based on the color of shirts that they wore for their Twitter heavies. But one of their one of their wives is on Twitter now, so we have that. The Krasen the Krasensteins actually famously share one wife. Oh yeah, true tag team. The Krasensteins famously love running train. I mean. We we're joking, but uh, I, I really should point that out. Ken Klippenstein is not related to Ed and Brian Krasenstein. Although, I mean, your names are long enough that I think people really did confuse you guys for a long time on Twitter. Um, but that being said, may their accounts rest in peace because I, I do miss Ed and Brian Krasenstein. Um, I miss their physiques. I miss seeing their chests and the Trump replies. Dude, I didn't realize they're banned. I thought I thought they just left Twitter voluntarily. I thought they got fed up. Yeah, I actually have a really funny story about that. One of them called me up, and I had never had any sort of, you know, interactions or relations with them beyond just, you know, Twitter replies. And he went on to this thing. This was like the day that he got, again, I can't remember which one of the two it was, the day they got banned. Um, And he launched into this kind of like um, very spiritual kind of like monologue about how he was like um, coming to peace. He was at peace with the universe and the fact that he's no longer on Twitter anymore. And it was like very like um, it almost felt like Buddhist, like letting go. And it was like so serious that it, it, the guy was so sincere that I felt bad <laughs> chuckling or you know poking fun. So I just kind of quietly sat there and 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 absorbed uh, you know his processing of this uh, what I'm sure was a traumatic event for him. Has he has called you to tell you that, or did he have like a bigger question? He he said he. I can't remember. He, he was just, talking about mounting some kind of fight to get it back at some point in the future. and was asking me if I had any advice about that, but that was sort of the reason that was sort of the reason for the call. But yeah, it was a lot of uh, kind of spiritual stuff. It seemed like, dude, I, I mean, everybody made fun of those guys and were exhausted by them at the time. But now that they're gone, I actually do miss them. I miss, I like straight up miss seeing those dudes and their six pack abs replying to Donald Trump. Um, it's kind of hilarious, but I should give you a better intro. Ken Klippenstein here, um, a journalist, but I think mostly you stand out to me um, for being a person who's really, really good at the Freedom of Information Act, uh, which is essentially you're filing requests uh, to the government to produce various documents that I think you have to specifically request from them. And um, according to the law, um, you could explain this way better than me, but according to the law, they do have to produce these documents in, in less they're classified and so um as a as a person that follows you on twitter i'm frequently seeing you doing these kind of really fascinating dumps of the stuff that you uh end up receiving from the government um so you're kind of like a, a mini WikiLeaks uh for somebody that's following you on there yeah for, uh freedom information actor foia as it's called for short this is kind of a residue of the uh free speech movement in the 60s uh, if you can believe it, the free speech uh, movement was sort of led by the left at that time. Of course, it's a little different now and probably a lot less sincere, uh, you know, when you have these right wing figures talking about it, which we'll get into with Musk. Um, he himself is, you know, claims to be really into 
free speech uh, called for, I think, my account to be suspended <laughs> for you know <laughs> factual stuff that I was posting. But we'll get into that in a few minutes. But um, FOIA, I, if you can believe it, it's you know, I think it's one of journalism's best kept secrets because um, people don't really like filling out forms as you <laughs> were describing before. And you know, there's I think my brain is like weird in just the right way that I don't mind doing that. So I'll send out a lot of them. And the successful ones that you guys see. Um, are actually, you know, a pretty small fraction of the ones that I send out. These are, of course, the, you know, successful ones. Um, as much as I'd like to pretend that every, you know, every, every, you know, one shot, one kill, every FOIA I send out uh, turns out hitting, you know, this gold mine, that's really not the case. Uh, many of them either don't turn up much or what they turn up is not, you know, really salient. Um, but, you know, sometimes you, you, you send out enough, you can, you can find some pretty incredible stuff. And what's cool about it, I think, is that um, the idea behind the law, which again is post, uh, you know, passed around the civil rights movement, was that you know our tax dollars are paying to generate these government documents, and you know therefore uh, us, the citizens, we have some kind of right to that information. You know there are exceptions, there are exemptions, uh, you know, pursuant to personal uh, privacy and you know national security things like that. But in general, that's that's the idea behind it. It's funny um, and interesting because the Freedom of Information Act is so simple and straightforward. It makes perfect sense, but at the same time, it's kind of surprising um, that we have it. <laughs> and I, yeah, in fact, right before this, I was surfing in Malibu and through uh, a series of conversations about like what I do for a living, and then you got brought up, and I ended up explaining the entirety of the Freedom of Information Act to a group of surfers down to the beach. And um, I mean, it was really it was just funny how surprised they were. Um, and and really, it is surprising. I think not many people know about this. And when they hear that you could ask the government for something and they have to give it to you, pretty much, um, it, it kind of blows their mind. Yeah, I think it's a really subversive tool. And it's interesting, I think, that they don't teach these things. I don't remember exactly. learning this when you watch the Schoolhouse Rock or anything like <laughs> in any no, your civics yeah. courses. You could ask for these things. Although some kids have figured it out. I saw a story a few years ago about a kid that FOIA'd his, uh, the answers to a test question. And he went to a public school. And so those were technically <laughs> public records. And he ended up getting the answer to a to a final exam i think it was and so it was a big uh it was a big scandal they had to debate it i think in the state legislature about changing the rules around <laughs> around whether or not you can <laughs> request the answers to test questions and things like that so a lot of really um i think subversive applications like, like in this. advance he was able to get them in advance if i remember right yeah because i thought it famously took a while to for them to be processed not at the state and local level um so you know i would distinguish between when i say foia that is the federal statute but for each of the 50 states they have their own um, state level interpretation governing non-federal documents so for you know california it might be the sunshine act or you know illinois has the illinois open records law so those all vary um but but the general spirit of them is pretty similar well Let's get to what Brandon was talking about because I feel like that's a that's like a fun a fun thing to discuss right now. And I, honestly, I kind of missed it. Um, but Brandon, I mean, maybe you guys can explain it a little bit better. All I know is that like <laughs> Brandon told me to look at this, and I just see you and Elon Musk like really going back and forth, and I see like a really really bad like <laughs> Elon paint like. MS paint cropping your face onto like Ralph Wiggum from the Simpsons and had like a full on like watermark vibes of like, this is made with funny meme generator.org, you know, <laughs> that kind of shit. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a man, this is a man who fully has a newborn. <laughs> he has a baby. <laughs> He's yeah. like, and, and let me point out, this was on the fourth, and this was on the fourth of July too. 
The 4th of oh, July. And, yes. His baby's crying in the other room, and he's on memegenerator.com trying to, like, <laughs> upload... <laughs> <laughs> upload uh, well, a PNG. He didn't even upload that meme. If you go back through the thread, he stole it from one of his adoring fans and used this guy's, but didn't credit him, which is something he does all the time. And uh, to some consternation of the uh, meme meme creators out there, that's <laughs> so. Oh, this wow. wasn't even. He didn't even come up with this stale <laughs> meme, which was, um, if I remember, it was um, it was Ralph Wiggum, and it, and he he changed it to say, you know. The Ralph quote from the show is like, I'm helping. But instead he changed it to, I'm a journalist. And then sent that to me. And this is something that it's kind of like I was, you know, having it out with Ben Shapiro because this was like a seven year old meme that had passed its prime. I hadn't seen that meme in so long. It was almost like a blast from the past to see <laughs> to see that being used again well yeah i mean those are that's like not even a meme that's back when like the funniest thing you could make on the internet is literally just taking a screenshot of the simpsons and putting a ralph wiggum quote on top of it like there's not even a joke you're just literally listing a line of dialogue from the simpsons and yeah, posting I mean, it elon elon musk loves loves like saving impact font <laughs> memes <laughs> and he loves he loves posting like impact font shit well like, he, he behaves like a 14 year old redditor he bought the url stankmemes.com. remember that oh uh, god yeah. i think that i wonder if Brutal. that tweet's still up he's like i that, just bought stankmemes.com. awesome cool <laughs> like dead serious that's, well that's what i've i think some of this attributable to his fan base too um it's a sort of uh human centipede of like bad content from fans to the you know figure himself and I, over the course of this, I come to realize that he's a sort of spiritual figure, I think, a quasi-spiritual figure it, to his fans, which is funny because they many yeah. of them are like avowed atheists, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you were to look there, I, I describe him as, he's like the Moctada El Seder of like Reddit <laughs> libertarians. That's what I, that's how I would describe him. So what, what happened with this? Like, I legitimately don't know. So how did you guys start beefing? How did you start beefing with Elon Musk on the 4th of July? The beginnings are pretty simple. Um, I just posted a picture of him with um, Ghislaine Maxwell, who, uh, of course, had been arrested, I think, the day prior or the day that I posted it. Um, and this had been around for a while. This was nothing new. But, yeah. you know, I saw the news peg for it, and I just tweeted it. And I can't remember what the wording was. But it was something like, um, you know, it sure would be funny if people sent this to Elon Musk. And, <laughs> you know, to my astonishment, like, if you scroll through the, his tweets from that time— just it went so like viral that like every response you could just scroll straight down it was just same picture 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 and then like you know i would have thought that would blow over but then he engaged and then it got you know a hundred times worse because then everyone you know outside of um the kind of irony bubble that finds that sort of thing funny um became engaged in it and then once you start picking through it there's actually a lot more associations than just that one photo so i think he really stepped in it by by responding yeah you're digging he, he deeper he he claimed to have been photobombed. Yeah, that's right. And that's so misleading. Um, because when you, you know, say something like that, it's like, oh, she just stepped out of nowhere. You know, that's certainly uh, possible. I mean, that, that could have happened. But, um, you know, if you look at the context in, in which this photo arises, uh, th- there's a lot more associations to it. So, for example, um, the Business Insider reported that uh, he had given, that um, SpaceX had given a private tour uh, to um to Jeffrey Epstein and his uh, personal entourage, I think is how they described it. They reported that in January, uh, Musk claims not to know where that he he has said that he doesn't know where this allegation is coming from. But yeah, that's in Business Insider. You can see that there is uh, another report in the New York Times uh, 
I believe um, a year prior to that, uh, where the reporter um, alleges, and I'm being very careful here because this is a litigious individual. Um, the reporter for the Times alleges that um, in a conversation he had with Epstein, that Epstein told him that he was um, he had been authorized by Elon Musk to help staff the uh, leadership of um, his company after Musk said that he was um, seeking to take it private uh, for, for more funding. Um, so that's another example. Um, and then Musk and his then wife at the time, uh, they went to uh, a private party at the mansion of, um, trying to remember who it was. Uh, I, I think it was one, one of Epstein's. But um, yeah, there's a whole web of associations here that goes you know, well beyond just that one photo. Epstein set set Elon's brother up with a with a GF. That too. That's another one. Also, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So alleged alleged by um, reporting by um, the uh, Business Insider. I think they were citing two sources in it saying that uh, Epstein was trying to gain purchase and access to uh, Musk's company by setting him up with this girl, but with this woman that he ended up dating. And you know, uh, by the accounts of their the reporting, you know, the sources that they uh, cite, this was, you know, a, a real authentic relationship. It didn't seem like it was, you know, um, necessarily uh, untoward, but Epstein, uh, you know, according to the report, was said to have his own motives um, to try to uh, gain a kind of nexus or, or access to the company. Honestly, say what you will about Jeffrey Epstein, and I mean, there's a lot of bad things to say, but I will say that man knew how to hustle and grind. I mean... He was really about the grind. Like right there, he was everywhere. He was everywhere, grinding, hustling, scheming. I can't even believe it. And I mean, the sheer amount of people. Six cents for opportunity. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) aside from uh, running the pedophile ring would take enough time. I mean, then on top of that, all the business. I mean, he he was working hard. Jack, you love to say that... uh, You'd love to say that Jeffrey Epstein's only crime was hustling too hard. <laughs> I, I had to grind to get this view from, yeah. from Epstein. <laughs> I'm the hardest working man in the pedophile business. That's for sure. <laughs> um, oh, that's not a good, that's not a good out of context quote for me right there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elon's fans are not the type to, you know, obsessively go through interviews and, and try to take something out of context to, to get you back. I wasn't... For, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I wasn't sure this if the beef went any further back, but I mean, like the fact that um the fact that you're even in a Twitter argument with Elon Musk on the 4th of July is kind of surreal and indicative of a lot of Elon's problems in my opinion. Well, yeah, he's one of the 200 richest people on the planet. Again, this is July 4th. He's on record saying um what is it? I am, the quote is something like, I am revoltingly patriotic and pro-America. And then it's spending July 4th replying to, you know, let's be real, a not particularly well-known uh, internet reporter <laughs> for a tweet that I, you know, didn't really have any intention of becoming something that he would reply to or any sort of tiff. It was just, you know, Because this, this was hours long. This is an hours long yeah. back and oh, forth. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was culminating in his um, ex-wife releasing a statement uh, trying to defend him. And by the way, uh, I encourage people to look for that statement because it's written in a way that, you know, I've had several lawyers that I'm friends with look at it and say, wow, this is written in legalese because it says, you know, 
I do not recall, you know, um, uh, to the best of my knowledge, things with telltale signs of that a lawyer went over over this kind of statement. What's, what's trying her name to defend again? him? I can't remember her name. Let me. I've been well, going over so many folks in Elon world. Let me try to pull it up here. Because I was I was looking at I was looking at her shit earlier. Oh yeah, Tallulah um, Ri- Tallulah Riley. So she issues yes. a statement. She says, I don't usually, I'm quoting now, I don't usually comment on such things, but given the truly horrific nature of what is being implied up and down my timeline today, I wanted to respond publicly with Elon Musk's permission. That's kind of a telling phrase, with Elon Musk's permission. That can mean, you know, uh, that can say something with the character of their relationship, that can say something about an NDA that she may have signed, that's what several lawyers told me. Uh, but I'll read that now. She says, to my knowledge, I've never met Ghislaine Maxwell, a photo of Elon and Maxwell is doing the rounds, taken at a party where I was also present. It is possible I was briefly introduced to her, which, by the way, that's a really interesting uh, phrase, because that's basically acknowledging that, you know, there is a possibility that I met her, which, you know, in a legal context can mean something. She goes on to say, but not in any way that I can remember. Elon and I met thousands of people over the course of our relationship. There will be countless photos of Elon with people he does or doesn't know. And so I just thought that was funny, because it's like... This is clearly an attempt, or it appears to be an attempt at damage control, but this is going to have the exact opposite effect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the funny thing about all this is that um, Elon, like, and this is just me talking, but, uh, and I, I, you know, I'm by no means uh, qualified to be making a judgment on whether <laughs> whether he's <laughs> guilty of anything or not, but my gut says I don't think Elon Musk was actually involved in Jeffrey Epstein's schemes whatsoever. Like, I really don't. I think it's probably most likely exactly what they're describing. Like, he's probably meets a shitload of people. Um, he probably meets like hundreds of them per day. And one of them was Ghislaine Maxwell. She met everybody. But it is kind of funny to like walk into that. Like that's yeah, that would be like, that would be. I want to be clear. That would be my inference as well. But yeah, um, I think the interesting part of the story is that um, he clearly tolerated people around him. Uh, you know, being in proximity to people that went. You know, that 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 maybe had closer associations. So, for example, um, at the time that you know he was going to um, this this Epstein party, this was two years after he had been you know convicted of um, trafficking minors, which you know I would assume that people in that world would know about. Um, I'm a national security reporter. My source base is primarily an FBI, Defense Department, CIA, that kind of thing. And I can tell you that um, a lot of their work is uh, tracking threats to not just our heads of state, but uh, VIPs in general uh, for counterintelligence reasons. Uh, So I find it very hard to believe that um, he would not have uh, been made aware or, you know, was aware in some way that, you know, this this could end up being an optics problem at some point in the future, if, if only that. Yeah, and I mean, even though I don't think he did anything, I do think that everybody that's had a picture taken with Jeffrey Epstein or Ghislaine deserves to be made fun of for it. Because, I mean, it's insane to even say this, but like, we, we need to change the culture of, uh, of billionaires hanging out with, uh, with known pedophiles or alleged pedophiles and seeming to not have any concern about that whatsoever. I mean, there should be some concern about being photographed with an alleged pedophile. I, the fact that the fact that these people were moving and shaking around the world uh, and, and interacting with these people, even socially is crazy. And if we could just change that, that's a big step, right? Like the number of pedophiles I've you know gone to parties of is exactly zero. Yeah, and I same. suspect that that's the case for you I mean, know I many hope. many people, yeah. <laughs> right? Or publicly known, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, and that's really the point here is that there is a culture 
you know, that, that, that tolerates some, you know, uh, proximity to, to individuals like this, regardless of, you know, uh, participation or not on, on on your part and you know that's that's why i think it's important it's one thing to find out somebody you know did something bad but everybody knew he was doing it and people were still hanging out with him while they and knew. in that world yes the general public learned about it later than kind of high society did high society there's no way they all know these kind of things they're you know they pay very close attention to this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah i mean go ahead brennan the, oh just this did you get to the second part of the Tulula? Um, the Tulula statement. I think we we might have uh, veered off course for a second because. Oh yeah, do you want me to read the rest she, of it? Well, yeah, just this part where she says Elon and I went to Epstein's house in NYC uh, once as part of an itinerary of appointments. That is a yeah, wild that itinerary. Kind of, that sounds kind of <laughs> ominous. Yeah, that's that's a wild thing to have like on your itinerary. Yeah. Breakfast, getting bagels for breakfast, uh, <laughs> Macy's to go buy a new winter coat, and then popping by Jeffrey Epstein's uh, New York estate. Yeah, we we w- it was it's a you know get, get yourself a New York slice. Yep, and then hit Sparrow. Pop by, pop by uh, Epstein's. Oh, no. The, the Pizza Gate uh, crowd is going to be reading very closely into your yeah. <laughs> into oh your yeah, yeah. yeah. Get, a, get a New York yeah, slice and then, and then a, the real slice. <laughs> yeah, and then get a real slice, and then uh, M and M's world until uh, EOD. <laughs> <laughs> two two p.m. to question mark M and M's world. <laughs> I mean, you lose track of time when you're in M and M's world. There's all so many colors to taste, <laughs> so many different sizes and options. Honestly, though. Dude, I was in um I was in a store the other day. M and M's have they recently dropped a few new flavors that I'm curious to try. I haven't really caught up on the M and M's brand, but I've been seeing <laughs> oh, some. Oh yeah, heat. I mean hazelnut M and M's. Oh, there, I saw that. Know? Yeah, hazelnut. I've th- been. The pretzels are good. I I don't know if they have pretzel M and M's anymore. Uh, anymore, I am campaigning right now. It's a uh, candy's when this, this is a huge uh, sidetrack, but candy's a weird thing. It's like. Uh, it's you know obviously encouraged to like it as a kid, super normal. As an adult, I feel weird eating and purchasing candy because <laughs> as a kid, I that was like what I thought I would do as when I was an adult. Be like, I'm gonna buy all the candy I want. Obviously, like that's all I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna buy all the candy. Nobody's gonna be able to stop see, me from eating it. Now that's that, what gummy vitamins are for, because then you can tell yourself that you're doing it for your health. Yeah, so right. It has a veneer of of adulthood to it. Yeah, but I'm like, right now, I just went to M&M's.com. Like, no joke, I'm on the M&M's website to look up flavors. <laughs> like, to this be fair, feels it is wrong. your homepage. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is probably one of the weirdest things I've ever done, is to go to M&M's.com to be like, hmm, what new flavors of M&M's are, are out right now? You know, it just feels... uh. It doesn't feel right, and uh, you know, I th- I think we should normalize candy as a normalize adult candy, fellas. Well, there's I think I think there's certain candies that are more <laughs> acceptable than others for adults. Like what? Like nerds ropes. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you I think don't know. So? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like if you're yeah, you lady in the tramping a nerds rope with your partner. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. What's um, what? What's like the gold? What are those gold uh, Rocher or whatever they're called? Those chocolates? 
Oh, Ferrero Rocher. Yeah, are those like acceptable candies for adults? I mean, that's that's yeah, that's grown and sexy. Uh, that would be weird for a child to be into like Ferrero Rocher. No, that's like what Baron Trump eats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <You> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like Richie Rich food. Um, yeah, but I do. I mean, as an adult, I definitely had one friend who was like full on adult would like walk to the store and be like, "I'm hungry. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get a snack." And go to like CVS or Walgreens, come back with a bag of candy, like Twix, Nerds, the full gambit. And this was like a really skinny guy, by the way, and just like sit around and eat candies. And I was, it would always blew my mind because it's like, I've ne- I don't know how that's the only person I've ever known to do that. Just like go buy himself some candy and then sit down and eat it. <laughs> Have you ever done I mean, it, Brandon? Nothing, nothing wrong with that. I mean, I've I've got candy on me in case my my blood sugar. Okay, that's a medical. Sometimes, you know? that's a good excuse. But that's like that's medical. That's a that's a medical excuse. Got a doctor's note, but uh, like an occasional one hundred grand. Okay, that's a good choice. You know, that's I'll 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 have that on a on a good day if I if I earned it if I earned that special treat. And yeah. Peanut M and M's. I think peanut M and M's are grown. You know. Sure, it has a nut in it. Yeah, I mean, you know, pause. Yeah, pause I mean, real no, quick. Yeah, no homo. <laughs> how about how about licorice? Is there? I have an impression that there is an age that's skewed towards older people. Yeah, or is that is that no? Just sure, I think I think you're right. That counts. So that's more permissible. Licorice. Yeah, kind of the stuff they sell at Trader Joe's above the freezers, like those right. weird. Yeah, like kind of like right. if you could yeah. buy it, a candy at Trader Joe's, it's like acceptable and adult. Are old people allowed to have Werther's Originals, or do they just give them to younger people? I think they like, come there... with they come with social security checks. I think <laughs> they ship them, but, with, uh... but with the intention of being distributed downwards, though. I yeah, think, that's right? that's called trickle down economics. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I don't know, I don't know why I'm thinking about candy, but I, th- <laughs> I think it would kind of weird me out if I was like kind of poking around my my boy's kitchen and I open it up and I just see the full gambit of the Wonka brand in in like a cabinet i would be impressed but also confused you know well bring it back full circle that's what elon musk is he's trying to be the willy wonka of tech okay there we go yeah tied it together pedophilia willy wonka of tech (laughs) candy children see we're really grooving here we didn't even know it we're doing jazz (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah i don't know that's that is like the i mean me and jack talked about it and i think you you and i talked about it ken but the way Elon uses the computer is out of control for like a guy who is a billionaire with a newborn with like, who's like married to Grimes. I would like, I, I don't know. I, I barely want to use the computer. I would never use the computer if I was fucking Elon, man. Yeah. He's just, operating at full cylinders. There's no, it's in, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I mean, July 4th, like I had things to do and I was like, all right, I'm going to come back to like, you know, yelling at the one of the richest people on the planet because I have to go talk to my family. Like you shouldn't have the option to do that. Like, right. It doesn't seem it seems like rules of the universe are being broken and it shouldn't be that way. But it also I mean, it's kind of up to him. It normally isn't that way because that's my thing with Elon is like, dude, I mean, I'd say that uh, online, in kind of like the zeitgeist, it's sort of 50-50. People like really like him, but also people really don't like him, too. It's like people make fun of him a lot. 
Like he gets really, really made fun of. But on paper, it's like, on paper, it's hard to argue against him being a cool guy. Like Brandon just said, he's just had a baby with Grimes. He owns two successful companies. He's super rich. Ever, he has like Tesla is by far the coolest car in the market right now. Everybody loves it. It's like on paper, hard to argue with that guy being cool and admirable. But he subjects himself to Twitter and puts himself in these positions where he's then spending his 4th of July like with people just making fun of him and voluntarily putting himself in this uh, he, position. He chooses to be a loser every day of his life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he walks into a cafeteria where he like kids are going to throw food at him and he like yeah. continues to walk it's back defeat. in even though he doesn't go it's to the defeat. school. It's defeat snatched from the jaws of victory. Like how did he keep <laughs> It's almost impossible, given his resources in, you know, Perch and Society, that he could find something to lose at. And he found it. Yeah, like, you shouldn't even have the means to directly make fun of him. No. That's no. Somebody that rich, if you're that rich, like, the first thing you would want to do, even if it's not literal, is, like, set up your life in a way where, like, a random person can't just ruin your day. Yeah, like Zuckerberg. <laughs> right. He yeah. apparently just bought like a huge part of an island in Hawaii that, and he just bought all the houses around it. So he would never even have to see a commoner. That, that's how I picture a billionaire's living. And I imagine Musk has the resources to live like, yeah. Billionaires love internet. buying islands. Right. Right. Here we go. Yeah. They like isolation, but in <laughs> for Zuckerberg, I mean, that's one man. I, there's no way he's tied up in the Epstein stuff. Cause he's simply too boring simply too boring to get involved in that if he went to if he went to little st james he would probably just get caught up in like checking out epstein's grill and like <laughs> boring somebody to death being like i use sweet baby ray's making ribs still i mean i know it's oh, a big man but i oh, really I like gotta, the sauce I, I gotta rewatch that that video of mark zuckerberg talking about barbecue <laughs> three hours of just being like yeah, classic. Pulled pork. You just put Sweet Baby Ray's on and put it in a crock pot, <laughs> and it tastes really good. <laughs> well, my favorite anecdote about Mark Zuckerberg is that his um, his phone got hacked or whatever, and then uh, the photos from his phone got fully leaked, but they were so boring that nobody cared. <laughs> like, they're out there. You could look it up. It's so funny. There's just him, like, cooking in his own kitchen. <laughs> Nothing weird at all. I just picture him having a lot of different um, ways to like monetize video game cur- currency or like gu- uh, guns and like uh, like Call of Duty. Game. Like that, that's what I picture his like diabolical schemes being. Yeah, his skin <laughs> just like microtransactions. Oh, his his schemes like Mark Zuckerberg's schemes would be that he like fixed Farmville so that he could have like an extra large farm play <laughs> offline. You know. <laughs> He's like he's wrapped up in some like is illegal Zynga games gambling scheme, you know. <laughs> that's the that's like the wackiest thing. And if he ever got investigated for it, to be like, yeah, well, I guess no money was really exchanged. <laughs> it like wouldn't reach the statutory limit for <laughs> <Yeah>. a felony. <laughs> we don't really. <laughs> it's worth like twenty five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Zuckerberg. I mean, probably the most boring billionaire. Just boot cut jeans that whatever color t-shirt he wears, like that uh that weird like kind of like muted blue 
texture t-shirts and like the the zip up hoodies do you guys remember that period of two weeks where he thought he could be president oh my god oh no. brutal what was that i mean i thought that i i thought that that was gonna end up happening like i thought that that was gonna be like the eventual timeline but yeah i think like once the i don't know once everybody uh heard him talk enough <laughs> It was like, yeah, this is never going to happen. Dude, his hair is too fucked up. I mean, his hair, his hairline is crazy. Yeah. His hair. I just feel like how plasticky his face looks and not even in a like good, like what I just picture. What is it like? Like he wouldn't, he, he's the guy that wouldn't pass the Voight Kampf test enough for like the people to turn out. And you know what I mean? Like, obviously no politician does great on that test, but he was like. It felt like I was watching an animatronic whenever I watched him speak. Dude, I mean, I, I never, the way I make fun of Mark Zuckerberg, I wouldn't talk about a regular human being like that. of just like making fun of somebody's face. But him, it's like <laughs> staggering. It shocks me because it's like when you're that rich, people just come up to you and they try to get money from you by offering various things. Like there's, you know that, He's been uh, approached by stylists and people that some of the best hairstylists in the world and fashion people like he could easily get the best haircut and best hair advice. (laughs) It's actually it's shocking that he's gone this long with such crazy bad hair. It's actually amazing. It's amazing. I actually think that that's only one of the only admirable things about him is like that's that's one of the only like like remnants of humanity left. This is right? bad like, hair. That's like, that's the only thing like indicative of like a fraction of a soul is like just have keeping a shitty haircut, you know, dude. I mean, imagine how many people are around him trying to shape his image and make him like, I mean, he testified before Congress, right? So they probably yeah. had consultants in there, like literally trying to figure out how to make him likable and, uh, and, you know, do media training. How do they not? fix the hair like that's step one <laughs> like look at the hair it's so well, maybe crazy. you know we don't know what the hair would look like unmanaged maybe that would be even worse maybe it's some kind of lovecraftian like non-euclidean <laughs> like object just google search the- mark zuckerberg hair it's so nutty i can't believe this i'm sorry he has like oh I, i'll stop i gotta stop doing this, this is bad for the podcast this is bad I mean, for everybody involved. Listen, you know, let's let's chill. Let's chill. You know, sometimes me and Zuck, we you know, we meet up and we just like to get blazed and look at everybody's data. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fun it's like a the fun matrix thing we just do. seeing yeah. yeah. He calls me up, he's like, Hey, come come uh let's let's put one in the air and check out check out uh some data. Okay. That sounds fun. He loves it. Well, that's kind yeah, of what it's, it's you do, fun. Ken. You know? But you look at the government's data, if I could tie it all up. In fact, <laughs> I asked you for a couple of good examples of your favorite stuff that you've gotten from uh, FOIA. This is how you say it? FOIA? Yeah, that's right. FOIA. This oh, one shit. These photos me. you sent. You, these photos you sent are crazy. Sorry. I just saw these photos of Zuckerberg. Yeah, his hair is fucked up. No. The, and the, his face is... His, this last photo looks like photoshopped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm it just, just sucks. 
Like, if you're thinking of Shaggy, Mark Zuckerberg, n- no, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, he looks like, it's like those pictures when somebody just started trying to become a barber and, like, doing face, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm thinking of, like, Anton Chigurh's hairline in uh, No Country for Old Men. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that hair would be better than this. <laughs> that would be a step up. Um Okay, but wait, what was I saying? Um, okay, so I was looking at some of your stuff. This one was really interesting. This is a good example of the stuff that you find. So you um, you requested, I guess this is like a two-part question. I do want, I want to know how you even thought to ask for this, because I'm sure that must be a challenge, is to even think of what to ask for with these requests. And then secondly, I just want to discuss the contents of this. You... Uh, you requested um, the gifts given to the White House from Israel uh, during Donald Trump's visit to Israel. And I'm going to read them right now. These, this was presented, uh, the state of Israel presented this to Donald Trump. Uh, 100-year-old Bible encased in glass. That was the first one that stuck out. <laughs> uh, a menorah. That's actually that sounds made up. That they gave him a Nora. That sounds like like the dumbest possible guess at what they would give him. Uh, book of Israeli art, a leather bound book of Psalms, mother of pearl portrait of the POTUS. Wait, so they gave him a mother of pearl portrait of himself. That's kind of that's kind of pimp, honestly. And <laughs> then a carved wooden Madonna and child. And um oh martyr martyrs and here uh and heroes remembrance authority what is that I have no idea I don't know the document didn't go into further um detail this was actually the second one that I had filed of that type because originally I had gotten his gifts from um Saudi Arabia which is particularly funny given that oh, when he was boy. campaigning he made a big point of you know noting that uh the Saudis did 911 that was something that he would say repeatedly uh, and then, of course, he goes to Riyadh for his first foreign visit, which was actually very unusual for president. It was the first time a president had gone to not either neighboring Mexico or Canada. So that had a lot of sort of, um, if you talk to the diplomats of the State Department, that, had a, that was sort of fraught with a lot of um, significance, uh, especially given Saudi Arabia's, you know, human rights record. But was, the that the, gifts was that the famous that, orb visit? Um, no, that was later, I think. <laughs> but Man, he loves <laughs> yeah, that's going to Saudi Arabia. of... A bit of a reversal on his um, campaigning. But the gifts from Saudi were even funnier. They were like gold coins, and I think there was like a scimitar, like a sword. Oh, hell and, yeah. Uh, painting of a Saudi woman. Okay. Um, yeah. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I wish I wish they had photos of these. Do you think they do? Somewhere, yeah. Um, I want to see this because... woman. Hmm. I want to take a peek. Yeah, that'd be a funny one. But to answer your question... <laughs> Um, how do I come up with these things? I cheat. Um, I don't actually come up with them on my own. The sort of untold story of a lot of these things is that I'm often being given tips from uh, sources inside of these respective agencies who they themselves know where they are and they want them out to the press. Really? And so they will guide. Yeah, either active or uh, retired people can be very useful too. Because when someone's retired, they're often, you know, if it's a federal employee, whether at the FBI or State Department or DOD or whatever, they tend to have a pretty decent pension. They have a lot of time on their hands. They want to chat. Maybe they're doing a little bit of consulting on the side, but um, they can tell you exactly where a lot of the goods are. And for whatever reason, reporters don't use this tool. I, I don't know why that is. 
Um, but uh, yeah, very often my sort of excursions are, are, are guided by, uh, you know, either someone directly just telling me what to look for or, you know, past experience with folks I've talked to. Oh my God. So, I just, <laughs> this is, that's, first of all, that's crazy. But secondly, in searching for the Saudi gifts, I found this picture of Donald Trump with uh, the prime minister of Japan. And this just really, I don't know if he's still doing this, but um, on one of his visits, apparently he made custom hats. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> what country? Japan. <laughs> Wait, I'm sending this picture to our little group chat right now. He made custom like MAGA style hats. Oh my says, god! Donald and Shinzo make <laughs> a, make allegiance even greater. <laughs> oh or make a. Do you see Abe's expression? It's just like fuck this job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's he gonna do with that hat? There's many of these hats. Oh there. my god. Which, Hell yes. And there's they autographed oh, it them. Says, it says Donald and Shinzo. Donald and Shinzo. <laughs> it's like top. a wedding hat. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny. Um that's so Yeah, because it's like it, it's can like you a, imagine like kind of like showing up to like one of the meetings and this, this is like the tradition they make you do. What's he is he gonna wear that hat around or just keep it? I, I bet <laughs> it went straight in the trash. And then also it's a souvenir. Yeah, that's it. So looks like funny. one of those those hats, like when uh when you do like a family reunion, exactly. And it's like uh <laughs> you know Wardell family vacation uh summer summer twenty twelve. That's one of those things. It's like, it does look like that. <laughs> it'd be like the wildest. I feel like those hats would get tossed out at the end of the event. It'd be like the wildest thrift store find. <laughs> in either Japan or near Mar-a-Lago or something. I bet, oh, like... Man. Given the demographics of his supporters, I feel like we're going to have a lot of um, am- amusing uh, Goodwill finds uh, yeah. over the next couple decades. Well, I just kind of had a real fast zone out where I was thinking to myself that um, it might be worth trying to go near Mar-a-Lago and like hitting the thrift stores closest to Ooh. Mar-a-Lago. I mean, could you imagine? Like... Uh, the yeah. fines, but then I quickly reversed my thought because I just have a feeling there's no way that they donate anything from the Trump organization. <laughs> that probably is going all straight in the dump. They just like burn one, it. One dumpster. <laughs> not, one dumpster for sure. <laughs> like there's no goodwill drop-offs going on from Mar-a-Lago. Absolutely uh, not. No, definitely. No, I not. don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can go to the the goodwill and find a you know find a Donald X Shinzo hat. The Donald X Shinzo drop would be crazy. <laughs> Find on Grailed. Oh yeah, my I'm gosh. On, I'm on StockX right now. Also, I mean, the phrasing of that hat's kind of strange. Make alliance even greater. That's like, it sort of sounds like it's written. It's like Google Translate. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it's written in like a racist Japanese voice, you know? <laughs> like, make alliance even greater. Like, like they were watching like I mean, I, a kung fu yeah, movie or something. Like, yeah, Donald Donald went like English to Japanese. Yeah, on Google Translator, and then Japanese <laughs> back to English. Yeah, there's several words missing that could be in there. <laughs> oh man, um, but anyway, that's kind of a sidetrack. But um, that's interesting that you get tips on a lot of these. So you have um, just people just kind of like you're kind of like a a vehicle for people who want to get stuff out there. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just a channel. 
um, you know, I find it weird when, at least for myself, when people are like, oh, this is great, you know, I can't believe you did this heroic thing. It's like, well, it's not really me. It's a source that stuck their neck out. Like, I don't stand to get in trouble. It's a source that stands to get, you know, either fired or worse, depending on what the leak is. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it is informed by that. And I really encourage people when they try to do FOIA, it, you know, it doesn't have to be some sort of sophisticated, you know, talk to some, you know, high up guy in the FBI. Just find someone if you want to even just learn about your local um, I don't know what, uh, maybe something about the Department of Education or something. Just talk to somebody who retired from there. You can just Google them, uh, you know, search LinkedIn. People are pretty friendly. They often want to um, help if you can make some case for that. It's in the public interest and they'll kind of guide you through it, even just on a local level too. Because just trying to find stuff on your own is hopeless because the way the FOIA law is written, you can't really say, I want everything on X subject. You have to ask for specific records. I always say, um, you know, when people ask me for help with FOIA, I say, you know, we don't really have a freedom of information per se. We have a freedom of records. You have to know what those records are called, and that requires a lot of expertise. Because how are you going to know what the records are called unless you're, you know, familiar with the agency and work for it or know mm. someone who did? So how specific do you have to get? Like, let's say, let's let's keep this hypothetical for your sake, but like, let's say you're trying to do it on Yeah, but still a podcast. Like, what you're trying to get our podcast <laughs> files? Like, how would you go about that? Like, what kind of thing would you have to request? Well, it's tough with private institutions because this is supposed to be you know only government er, ones that you can request of course, but yeah. one way yeah i've had to get creative about there there are there are ways to get at uh, private stuff so with you guys i wouldn't do this but um if it if if it was maybe a more sorted outfit i would look at like um you, you can ask for what are called cad records called detail records from police that were generated from say wherever your guys's office or wherever you guys uh, do the podcast out of are and then they'll generate they'll just uh, very quickly spit out a whole list of every single, not just 911 call, but any sort of suspicious activity report. I mean, this is really the exhaust port for these power systems that love to surveil everything is that, um, you know, one byproduct of them surveilling everything is that they generate a ton of records on all the stuff that they surveil. And because of FOIA, you can get a lot of those records. So police would be um, one angle, just any It's way funny that you picked that body. because you definitely would get some hits. Our Patreon <laughs> listeners know that you would be getting some hits from police calls from the location uh, to and from the location where we record 100%. And in fact, they've been uh, there's been episodes where the police showed up <laughs> while we were recording. <laughs> but that's, uh, I mean, that's well documented in our Patreon and not worth re-explaining right now. Yeah, please, please, nobody, nobody do this. Please, nobody FOIA I don't anybody. <laughs> I, I don't want anybody uh, hearing about uh, me calling 911 because my dick was stuck in a drain. <laughs> I, I don't need that information being public. But, so, either way, back to our example. So, if you wanted, like, our, the list of, like, our podcast files or something, would you have to, like, reference a specific file directory or could you just be like, oh, ask for Jack's external hard drive where he keeps the files, you know? Well, so uh, when I said the CAD, call detail record or CAD record, these are all sort of like um, technical terms in the police world that I've learned from, you know, law enforcement people that I've gotten to know uh, for kind of routine records that they tend to generate. By no means the only records they generate, but these are sort of starting points um, where from there, then you can start to ask for police reports that might have been generated or other things. And, and, and from there, you can get more specific. But um, it really is a process. Like a lot of times when I get a FOIA that results in a story, that is like the end result of a series of requests that I've sent out. Because each one provides more clues about um, you know, what, you should, what you should look for subsequent to that. So what's the, what's the wildest thing you've requested? Whether or not you've, uh, 
gotten it back or not? Like, what's the biggest Hail Mary that you've thrown? I would say a request to the Department of Homeland Security about uh, President Trump's r- request himself to create a moat filled with uh, alligators around the uh, bo- around the southern border to prevent immigration. What? If you guys remember that story, I, think I it was barely do. Post. Please request. Uh, please, I, I missed. The, I missed this one. Yeah, in the Washington Post, there was a story about uh, how he told. I think it was. I can't remember for sure, but I think it was General Ke- Kelly. Uh, he said, "You know, what if we just put? A- what if we made a moat around the southern border and just filled it with alligators so that it would like <laughs> keep the migrants from from coming across?" And so I'm typing this up because this was, you know, it seemed well sourced. I think they had multiple sources for it. It's in the Post. You know, pretty cautious um, outlet. So I'm typing it out, and it just sort of dawned on me because I do this stuff rote now because I send so many of them out, and it. Like halfway through, I'm just like, this is insane that I'm even having to, yeah, <laughs> having to yeah, yeah. ask for this, you know? <laughs> so you requested it? Yeah. And I assume you never heard anything back. No, that's the type of one that you probably have to litigate for. Because anything uh, at the federal level, the uh, FOIA offices are pretty sophisticated and they often, you know, perceive the White House to be their, uh, bo- their sort of de facto boss. And so they'll be very cautious about um, stuff that they uh, end up really releasing pertaining to that. That's a hysterical I, idea, by the way. Uh, a Florida idea for sure, but also like not. That was that was idea was definitely thought of at Mar-a-Lago, or near it. But also a lack of actual Florida experience, just because that would not keep anybody out. They're just like walk past with the alligators. I mean, gators are everywhere in Florida. It's like it it speaks very much to how much he's down there, but how little he's actually out in the state of Florida, you know, and just a very like cocaine addled Miami gangster. Yeah. (laughs) Like Scarface kind of idea. Like, you know, he's thinking of like cartoon alligators (laughs) that are like chomping and snapping. Um, like the, the alligator from hook, the cartoon version. He also, of Peter Pan. If you guys remember, with the wall, he also wanted to put like spikes on it. Yeah, like black spikes, like it's like a like some kind of dungeon or something. Like, <laughs> is, so he's had. This is one of several out there ideas he's had for immigration. I like. <laughs> I mean, it, it it does it does sound very like twelve year old sketchbook. Yeah, sort of, you know, like doodling, like, oh yeah, so the fence is gonna have spikes on it, and there's gonna be a bunch of mean alligators everywhere. We're gonna have uh, five thousand alligators. It's funny that like some of his early ideas have aged long enough where you forget about them, and it's kind of like you, it's kind of like rewatching a TV show that you <laughs> used to like. It's like just, it's like rewatching The Office where you could like kind of laugh at it again. Where it's like, oh, I don't just remember all of this shit, you know. It's like it kind of, you know, yeah. it's good to hear I mean, some of these again. I, really appreciate I, it. I didn't immediately remember the alligator thing is nuts. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the fact that both of us were like, I, I don't know, that kind of slips through the cracks for me. Some of these vintage news items. And also, I think some of it was exhausting in the very beginning, too. Oh, yeah. Like, right. you would just be mad. Now I'm, I've crossed where I'm just like... All right, like this is funny. <laughs> like the alligators are funny. Back in t- 2016, early 2017, probably been like, this is ridiculous. The president wants to put an alligator at the border. We have the to impeach is him. Anticipating which ones will actually ha- end up happening, um, because some of these things happen. Like I had a story. It was like six months ago. Some 
not to be vague, some folks in the military were very concerned about sending troops to the Canadian border because this is the longest peacetime border, I think, in world history, certainly certainly in our hemisphere. Um, and they're saying, they're telling me, you know, oh, we want to send all these troops. And I'm, it sounds kind of crazy given the, you know, really close trade relations with Canada. So I asked if they have any evidence. They end up sending me a um, request to the Department of Homeland Security to go put, it was like surveillance technology and sensors and uh, troops and things. And that was something that when I was first told it, I thought was too out there. I've had stories that I didn't even publish because it sounded too crazy. It was one was, and this ended up getting published in a, you know, reputable outlet. I was being told that people were given um, bayonets. The National Guard was being given bayonets to, to uh, you know, at the time that uh, Trump, that they, were be, that they were being deployed by the um, governors and then Trump was threatening to send in the um, active duty military. I'm, I start getting this stuff from people I don't particularly know. So I'm thinking, this seems too out there. Am I getting, because sometimes far right people will try to, you know, get pressed to run things that aren't true to, in the thoughts that they'll discredit them. So I thought, yeah, this seems a little crazy. So I didn't run it. And then, of course, two weeks later, another reporter gets it. So I thought, oh gosh, maybe I should. I remember, that. I do remember seeing that. That was shocking. I mean, most things with Trump seem too, too, uh, too outlandish to be true. So if you're getting those leaks, I mean, it must be hard to parse between what's, uh, what's real and fake, you know? Yeah, that's a problem that the press, I think, generally should be concerned about now. Because um, I remember a, couple, a few weeks ago, I had a source within the FBI send me an um, intelligence report uh, which found that the far right groups were actually instigating violence at a lot of these protests, with the um, you know expectation being that then police would think it was the um, left groups doing it, and then that the police would you know respond with violence to those left groups. So, for example, there was a shooter that killed a federal uh, agent and then a, um, another law enforcement officer, two different ones. You would think this would be a big story, given that it's you know um, all the you know kind of. D- debate about you know <laughs> there are a lot of people that say blue lives matter i don't hear them talking quite enough about this um and this guy's explicit ideology is a member of the boogaloo group yeah um was was to try to foment uh, a violent reaction from law enforcement against um the protesters uh in their minds to begin a sort of civil war so this is explicitly a part of uh, many different far-right groups ideology uh to literally do these false flags as they call it um, and so that creates I, – I wish there was a lot more um, caution around how media reports uh, violence that takes place at these things because it's not always clear and it's really difficult to you know suss out either way in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, I'm, by the way, this is a total aside, but I, you sent me the, uh, the list of the Saudi gifts to President Trump. And you, are you the one that uh, got this list? Yes. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. I'm going to read some of these. There's a lot. So I'm just going to go through the highlights, I think. And please forgive me um, any Arabic pronunciations. I'm not going to be spot on with some of this. Uh, four pairs of leather sandals. That sounds nice already off the top. Like, by the way, this this list all sounds like stuff I want. Um, box of Saudi traditional head, headgear, including black wool headbands and accompanying scarves. Brown wool robe. See, that sounds nice. A wool robe. <laughs> I've never... I don't know what a wool robe is like, but it just sounds high quality. Orange and gold wool robe lined with cheetah fur. That sounds real nice. I'm <laughs> like... I'm not... <laughs> I really don't like the idea of cheetah fur at all. I don't want uh, a cheetah to be killed under any circumstance by uh, 
especially not for a robe. But I mean, that's that's pretty extravagant. And then the next one is a blue and silver wool robe lined with white tiger fur. That's oh, fucked wow. up. Okay, black and orange cotton shirt with leather ammo belt and holster. Dude. Trump would like that. <laughs> what is he doing with this stuff? Because, like, his closet must be crazy. Can you imagine? Just the gifts alone. I don't understand why he's not he's not wearing any of this stuff out. I Come on. And this list is two pages long. And it just keeps, keeps going. I mean, there's a lot of... Um, He's given a lot of uh, Saudi traditional clothing, um, white cotton shimag or headscarf. Um, the, he's getting, given a lot of those. Uh, Ikal black headband made of wool thread, four of those. Uh, sleeveless white silk cotton garment. I don't, that's pretty vague, but um, I like the sound of it. Five cashmere headscarves with varying patterns. Dude. Oh my god, bronze dugong model? What? <laughs> Isn't that like a sea lion? A dugong? Or a seal? Or is it its own so, animal? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, this stuff doesn't sound ethically sourced, but it sounds pretty pimp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, he should he should wear all of this shit out to like press conferences and rallies and whatever. Mm-hmm. That 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 would make sense. That's like the next logical step. Yeah. Right? You know, like it's a little more impressive is, than if, the white baseball cap, right? Yeah. Right. Although in this too, two t-shirts, one hooded sweatshirt, one baseball hat. What's that about? That seems pretty basic amongst this list. Oh, and then number 78, just sword. Oh, and above it, <laughs> large box containing dagger, sword, ammo holder, and holster. A lot of ammo stuff. I'm really into, I'm really into this. Like, I don't know. I, I guess this explains why Saudi Arabia gets away with so much stuff. Because if I went over to one of my boys' house and they present me with a cheetah robe and ammo belts <laughs> and like an, a box containing a sword... I'll pretty much let them do anything. Like they could tell me pretty much anything after that. And I'll be like, all right, man, that's fine. We'll figure this out together. <laughs> you know, thank you for these gifts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. I'm really, I'm really still thinking about this, uh, ammo belt you gave me and you know, th- this white I, tiger. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure you didn't just read your Christmas list? Yeah. <laughs> just now. <laughs> just, you just, I think Jack, I think you opened letter to Santa dot PDF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still write them. Um, wow, this is amazing. Um, see, this is uh, you know, this is the kind of freedom I'm into—the freedom of information. And uh, I'm glad you're doing this. How how long? Yeah. How complicated are the forms? It's really not that bad. I think that people, sort of in the FOIA world, like to make it sound more difficult than it is. Um, you do have to. Again, it's knowing what the records are called. Uh, this story was a good example of the value of having sources. Um, and that's just a fancy word for folks that uh, have some familiar, familiarity with the institutions. So in this case, I had a diplomat that was hinting to me very you know, um, heavily that um, she told me, she said, 
the Saudis are known to give very extravagant gifts. If you wanted to look into that, I think that'd be pretty interesting. I said, what do you mean? She says, well, there's something called a uh, gift registry. It's under the office of, I can't remember what it's called, something like the office of protocol. Yeah, it's the office of protocol within the State Department. So it helps if you know not only um, what the records are called, but also where they're located. So then I type it up, you know, um, like the gifts registry from this visit, uh, which again was an unprecedented visit because um, that's the first visit I think a president's ever done to a country other than Canada or Mexico, not to mention one sort of embattled and, and beleaguered by a lot of you know human rights concerns. Um, and within you know a very short period of time, which is that's a funny story in itself, uh, Trump had reportedly relegated to um, the FOIA office of the State Department, which you know contains all our diplomats and, and uh, foreign service officers. Uh, a lot of the officials that that they consider disloyal, you know, liberals, people they thought were Obama uh, loyalists, to the FOIA office. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you do that? The FOIA office suddenly becomes very helpful uh, to people like me in terms of, uh, you know, the kind of records that they're going to provide us. They're going to provide insight into the – I said a few minutes ago, FOIA offices tend to perceive the president as their ultimate authority, um, as their ultimate boss de facto. I think in this case that that maybe is not the FOIA office that the State Department had. That's funny. Um, man, I'm still caught up in these gifts, though. To be honest, I'm like really thinking about it. Like, where do they go? Where do these gifts go? Because you you have to imagine that they're getting given stuff all the time, right? Is oh, there yeah. a room you think? That's what I want to know. Where do these? No- My understanding is that there's a limit at to so if the gifts rise above a certain level of value, I don't know what the you know U.S. dollar value is, then they, they can't actually keep it for themselves personally. They have to put it in some kind of, um, it, it belongs to the federal government that they end up putting in some kind of, uh, I don't know, co- collection or something. Can you I don't imagine? Know the, I don't know what the dollar limit for that is. Uh, can you imagine having like complete access to all of our records? I mean, or all the the archives that we have, essentially. Like, for instance, Los Angeles Police Department um, since like the 20s, they've been taking beautiful film uh, crime photos, crime scene photography, and they've been archiving it very well in uh, L.A. County, but there's like no access to it. And uh, there was one time where they let this art gallery like curate a, um, a show from the, the L.A. crime photography. And um, all the pictures are amazing. Like they've they've uh They've only they only released a few photos, but there there a lot of them are like a- accidentally artistic, and more so, you know it's it's rare to have good uh, maintained photos of that time period, and there's tons of them. But like other than that, there's like no access to it, so they're all just sitting there, and people want people want those to become public. But can you even imagine of like they probably have all the gifts from all the presidents stored, <laughs> like somewhere, you know? Oh yeah. Definitely. Dating. I mean, we have a very rich archival record. I mean, you know, I'm. You're never going to hear someone like me say I'm satisfied with the degree of transparency. But compared to other countries, I think that we probably have the most permissive open records laws. Now, many you know Western countries have open records laws, but um, none as radical as ours, as far as I know. So yeah, there's. I'm always encouraging people, not just journalists, uh, you know, interested citizens and things, to try to use. FOIA because it's really extraordinary uh, what you can do with it. If they if they keep really do keep some of that stuff, there's probably like priceless artifacts in there just from like gifts, even if it's from like the 50s, you know. Oh yeah, like a brand new Rolex from the time, you know, that's like untouched. <laughs> probably shit like that deep in uh, the archives. 
Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, if, if you look at that Saudi Arabia stuff, there's no way Trump's using it. And this probably is going either in, like, some closet in the White House or they're taking it and putting it in some secret back room in Washington, D.C. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is the conspiracy I'm interested in. I'm interested in all the clothes, <laughs> all, the, all the vintage wear. Yeah. <laughs> deep the yeah release the release the drip yeah <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to go into the underground tunnels of dc but not to uh not to find the adrenochrome and the pedophile rings i'm trying to find this drip <laughs> i need to get i'm going to become a freemason to find like the secret maps of washington dc you know it's an evil city i don't know how you live there ken the freemasons designed that city in the shape of a pentagram on purpose I don't know how you do it. It has evil energies. Chaotic. I mean, I yeah, you get... you. you definitely, like, DuPont Circle is is evil, for sure. You know the height of yeah, the, height of like the Washington the, Monument. You guys ever read From Hell? The Alan Moore? Of course, yeah. DC has very From Hell energy, I think. 100%. Whenever I <laughs> jump in a taxi, I, I feel like I'm William Gull just looking around. In Christchurch, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I when I first heard about the Washington Monument height thing, I was like, that is when my third eye opened real big on DC, <laughs> you know. And last time we were there for our show, we stayed right in the middle of the pentagram, and I felt the weight of the Masonic chaotic energy. <laughs> I wanna, I'm, I'm, I might. Oh, it's it's strong. I might fuck around and become a Freemason, just to see what's good. <laughs> I don't think you're going to apply. Yeah, you can. You, I think you have to be like, you have to have another member vouch for you. There's probably, yeah. there's probably it's Freemasons like listening to it now. Yeah, exactly. Like Raya for men, <laughs> but not in that type of way. <laughs> you know, it's a Raya for straight men to uh, make business contacts and uh, do their deeds. I don't really know what they do. I don't know what, like what the benefits of being a Freemason are. I want to find out. Do they get it dental? It sounds like there's a lot of benefits. <laughs> Did you say they get do they get dental? Yeah, that'd be nice. If I might be interested in it if they, they have a good dental plan. Yeah, I mean dentists are the masons of the mouth. When you think about it. <laughs> Damn. All right, Ken, I want to ask you one more thing before you fully leave. Uh I guess I I already asked you um what the wildest thing you've like the most ha- hail mary thing that you've asked for and didn't get was, but What's the wildest thing that you did get that you're shocked that they handed over to you? There was a request that I filed for the U.S. Embassy in Israel uh, that they ended up producing. I was surprised that they did because it led to a bit of an international incident, which I <laughs> had not happened in, in any of my other stories, and I hadn't anticipated happening here. Um, so in this case, let me pull up my notes so I get it right. Um, this was after... President Trump announced that he was going to be cutting um, aid to uh, the Palestinians in Gaza, which, you know, I was being told from people that I know in the Defense Department, um, completely aside from the humanitarian concerns, which were, you know, very acute, uh, there were a lot of security concerns. So there aren't just, you know, ethical and moral reasons to, you know, provide aid to this extraordinarily poor uh, part of the Palestinian territories. But, um, it was going to keep Israel safer uh, for them to do so because um, surprise, surprise, when, you know, you can't eat, uh, people get angry and that can lead to violence. And so um, I ended up sending up this FOIA request and, you know, things with Israel in general, that's a very, um, you know, 
sensitive political topic, so I wasn't very optimistic about what I'd get back. But um, surprisingly, I got back in very short order a document that actually identified a confidential informant that the U.S. government had within uh, the Israeli Defense Ministry, uh, which is kind of their version of the um, Defense Department, um, urging the State Department not to cut the aid because it's going to create a you know security threat to the region. Uh, and what was astonishing was they could have just said, uh, you know, an Israeli official. They ended up um, giving enough identifying information that you could actually find out who it was that said it. This ended up getting revealed in the Israeli press after my report. They ended up identifying who it was, and it led to a big diplomatic row. <laughs> between Washington oh and Tel Aviv um, that that I was surprised to see come out from a FOIA request that they uh, easily and probably should have redacted or blacked out, you know, the portion that, that identified this individual. And I would speculate that um, the reason they did it was uh, because of the tendency I was describing before where, you know, Trump uh, took a lot of longtime diplomats with a lot of experience and relegated them to the to the FOIA division. <laughs> Dude, you're you're really out there making a wake God and damn. yeah, <laughs> causing ripple effects in the world with these FOIA requests. Um, but anyway, dude, thank you so much for doing the podcast, man. Um, it was great having you on. Yeah, thank you, man. Do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, I would just say, um, if you were a federal official, uh, hit me up on Signal at 202-510-1268. Um, I mean, if you're a federal official listening to this podcast, that's kind of amazing to me right now. So also, if you're... <laughs> You'd be surprised. I have gotten, you know, <laughs> sources from agencies that, that, that surprised me as well, that they were listening to uh, podcasts I didn't think they would be. Yeah, you could hit us up too, in case I need to get out of jail at one point <laughs> in my life, you know, especially if you work in one of those... Uh, sections of the federal government um all right well thank you so much for coming on man um and thanks for listening